Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast with Eric and Gina Robinson. We're going through 1 Kings, yeah. and we have, last time we kind of talked about, we were kind of at the crescendo of these first chapters, mm-hmm. and yep. um, kind of reached a really good high point. The right. temple has been built and dedicated, and it has been prayed over by prayer Solomon. Is awesome. Beautiful prayer, yes. Everything feels so great right now. All of Israel has joined in in this wonderful celebration. And uh, come and offering sacrifices, sacrifice, sacrifices, yeah. and partaking in the peace offerings. And yes, so so really beautiful. I mean, this is what we've been hoping for. This is our yay moment. Wow, Israel really seems to be on the track that it was supposed to be on, headed toward the place where God wanted them to be, and they've. Um, Boy, uh, had God's blessing all over, yeah, all over them. A, a peaceful time in the kingdom, and they've established themselves with this temple, mm-hmm. this permanent temple mm-hmm. in the land of Canaan. Yeah, the kind of temple that everyone would want—the beauty of it, the extravagance, the the glory that you can sense, kind of pouring mm-hmm. off of it. Of course, the fact that God's spirit has indwelt it and mm-hmm. so powerfully that the priest can't even go in and work at first um do what they're supposed right. to do so he's powerfully on it proving that you know that god is okaying the process putting his stamp of approval on what's been done god's saying i am going to rest my spirit here this is where i will be that's all of, all of these things are signs that make us feel great we're like yes by the time we get to the good. end of chapter I'm eight very, we're feeling like very happy Whew, this is great times ahead. Exactly, exactly. But then when we start chapter nine, mm-hmm. um, as I've said to you, and I may have said last time, it feels like the music changes a little bit. Yes. And it's yeah. very subtle at first. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's going to be subtle through chapter nine. There's right. kind of a, there's a subtle music change. There's a little hmm. Well, I'm not. What's just, that I hear? Is there yeah. something in the background there? There's a little What's warning. Coming? Yeah. Like something's so, coming that's not quite right. Yeah. yeah. But you're not sure exactly how this is going to look. You're just kind of like hearing a couple things. It's not, I, I would say that there's nothing overt. Right. In chapter 9 that right. would tell you that things have turned a corner for the worse. Right. And yet. But. You are there a couple it. of hints? Yeah. That right. things might not be quite right. Oh yeah. And so the, the reader who's paying attention to some of clues will start seeing it. And I think we can, I think that we can start seeing that and trusting our senses in that because of how chapter nine begins. Mm-hmm. Chapter nine is going to begin with God meeting Solomon again, and right. it's going to tell us just like He met him back, like He had met him before, whenever He was at Gibeon making offerings. Back in chapter three. That's right. God's going to meet him again and have a very similar talk with him you can compare the two they're very similar so we're supposed to see this as a turning point moment that was a moment for solomon will he live up to this and we get to see him hey in large part that's what he's doing he's really trying to live up to that and things are going well and there's a building so this is like bookend wonderful building yes we're going forward and then this appears i would say it's a bookend but it's almost like a shift and then we get the last bookend if you will or the third piece will happen until we get to like we were talking about before chapter 11 when right. we get there we'll see the Lord meets him again and right. has a talk with him and that talk is a very 
Seriously, and things go talk. very differently. Yes, exactly. So three times God's going to appear and talk to him. This is his second, and it's another encouragement to him to stay on track. Right. But now, this is the shift because he's not really going to, and we're going to start seeing little hints right away that maybe he's not. That mm. don't look like what, what we had heard before. Don't sound like what we had heard before. Let's jump in here. Yeah, let's start by reading nine one through nine, and uh, and then we'll talk about a couple of things in there. Okay, First Kings nine one through nine. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord in the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me, as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, do, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish, establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, and the house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it, will be astonished and will hiss and they will say why has the lord done this to the land to this land and to this house then they will say because they abandoned the lord their god who brought their fathers out of the land of egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them therefore the lord has brought all this disaster on them mm-hmm. yeah this is a very very foreshadowing in where we're headed here and so um like i've already said you could take this back and read it in comparison to what you find in chapter three and it's going to have a lot of similarities it's going to be a lot of earmarks to what god is talking to solomon there about the the conversation they're having and how david figures in and how god will continue to bless if you know, if uh, Solomon stays close and the sons of David stay close, and all but, of that sounds great, and and it seems if then language, it's yes, almost uh, very conditional, like a legal here. contract mm-hmm. kind of yep. imagery that we're getting here. That if you will do, if this, you will do, I will this, do this, I will do this, and if you don't, then this will happen. Yes. And yes. So it's all spelled out here. Nobody has any excuses. No, truly, right? No excuses because God's being very clear with what he expects. And what he expects is covenant faithfulness. Let's not lose sight of that. It's not, it doesn't talk about adherence to the law here. 
doesn't talk about the amount of sacrifices that need to be made. It doesn't talk about performing in any way inside this temple, doing the things that I require of you as far as temple practice or cultic practice or anything like that. I right. use the word cultic in a very, you know, in that normal, right. normal sense of religious practice. Right. Um, that's not what it's talking about. And so God is very serious about having their hearts turn toward right. him. Because that's, that's the main thing. Because David actually had worse sins mm-hmm. than Solomon. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a murderer. He yes. was an adulterer. Um, but his heart was always turned toward God. He always was ready to repent and yes. uh, take ownership of his sins and wanted to follow God with all of his heart. Yes. And that's what God is asking. Yes. For absolutely. that heart. He's asking for the heart. So even though he uses language like keeping my statutes and my rules like David did mm-hmm. or um, and not turning aside from keeping the commandments and the statutes that I've set before you and go and serve other gods. If you go and serve other gods, he uses the language, but obviously in the serving other gods, we're talking about the heart that goes right. with. Well, the whole fact to me that they are built, that they built this temple with, um, everything set up for the sacrificial system mm-hmm. tells us that it's not if you sin, it's when you sin mm-hmm. because they, God knows they're going to. He yes. knows they will mess up. Yes. And so he's making a way for that mm-hmm. through a repentant heart. Um, so he's, uh, I think he knows, yes, follow my rules and commandments, but he knows they're going to mess up. Yes. But have the heart to come back to me. Right. That's exactly, I think you're right. I think that's, yeah, that's a good point. The very fact that they have a temple that it's set up the way it is proves that there's an obvious, obviously God knows they should know, oh, this is going to be needed on a regular basis. We're going to be messing up. We're going to be, yes, we know that. Um, But God just wants their hearts to stay on him, stay with him. And he wants Solomon's and Solomon's sons here um, is when we're talking about the line of David that needs mm-hmm. to stay close to God. As the king goes, so goes the nation. That's right. what this is telling us again. You know, the king becomes major representative of the mm-hmm. nation. Until we have a king like Jesus, though, we're going to have constant going astray, constant going right. your own way, thinking you have your own uh, way of doing things, and and they'll go astray. Only when we get him will we have a king who can truly, the, the heart, when the heart of the people see their king and turn toward their king, they'll be in the right place. Which is why we have to always remember that it's not our president or our king or our, you know, whoever our Emperor, leader is, leader. governor, whoever. It's Jesus who's on the throne mm-hmm. and we live in his kingdom. Right. And so, so we go his we way. We take all our cues from right. him. And we'll always be right when we take our cues from it. And it is so easy to get our eyes off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Get on the wrong road. So easy. Uh, A couple of other notes maybe to make in here. Um, 
just these few verses. Verse three, my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Mm, God's that. going to put eyes and a heart in this temple. Yes. Uh, you know, just like we talked about it being a body already. Well, what does it lack? Well, it lacks a heart. It lacks uh, something to make it alive. Well, God's going to do that. He's going to make it see and he's going to make it live. He can do that himself. Uh, and then I uh, wanted to note an interesting word usage in verse seven also where it says, what if they go wrong and do wrong, the kings do wrong, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them and the house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, cast out. That's the word from Genesis chapter three, verse 23, whenever Adam and Eve get cast out of Eden. So here's another we've already talked about how Solomon's kind of an Adam figure. He's yes. you know, we've and seen him already be kind of a this uh, temple and the is Eden like has very Eden like and and we're gonna see that even more as we go forward mm-hmm. in these next couple of chapters. Mm-hmm. How this is this is a new Eden. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we've and already they are talked going to about. Be- cast out several things that are eaten like already and the fact that he's been told he has dominion uh and the way he's supposed to rule sounds very much like adam was supposed to rule and he's he's very much an adam figure for the people a new beginning in a new creation if you will a kind of setting pay attention um, to the language here and disobedience leads to being cast out cast of out paradise of paradise exactly that's exactly where we're going um it's also the same word that happens to be used for divorce in deuteronomy 22 mm-hmm. 19 deuteronomy 22 29 deuteronomy 24 1 which goes gets, along with the theme of that god is always using for israel being between his bride himself and his bride and, yeah between himself and his mm, people we're like groom and bride the adultery and, uh, that happens and the divorce yeah, he will put them away. He will divorce them. They do not stay close. And so that's the that's what he's saying. Very very interesting language. Okay, uh, kind of. Unless you have something else to say about that, I just wanted to again say how you know. <laughs> there's just so much here, but the people. It says everyone passing by it. This house after it's been destroyed. It's a heap of ruins now. Yeah. And imagine them, Solomon thinking that could even happen because he's built this amazing building Mm -hmm. for uh, the Lord. Mm -hmm. And everyone passing by will be astonished. Well, they are now. Oh, yeah. But then it says, and will hiss. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a different kind of astonishment. Mm -hmm. And I just think the, I don't know the dichotomy there mm-hmm. is interesting yeah. uh, because it is a house that everyone passes by and is astonished yes yes but it they're is. not hissing and saying what what's going on here mm-hmm. good point yeah, yeah and just yeah. the exodus language right now, of course astonishment without the hissing but yeah right yeah so and then just the usage of the exodus language here again it's we constantly hear this Exodus talk, mm-hmm. and it's it's sometimes more hidden and right. sometimes so more right out here in subtle. front, like this one. But mm-hmm. um, again, yeah, just bringing that up. Do not forget what God did to bring you out of Egypt. Yeah, yeah, and to say you've got to always remember. You've got to always remember, and we're just like we're always supposed to remember mm-hmm. our ultimate 
salvation which came through Jesus. Do not forget that. Do not forget. Do not we have to forget return to Jesus that. Return Exodus. To that. Return to that. Right. Do not forget what happened in Jesus when you were rescued. Okay. Yeah. Let's keep going. We're trying to cover a little more ground today before we end. So um, we're going to start in verse 10. I think maybe we'll just read through. Um, let's just read through 22 to start. Okay. Through 22. Okay. Verses 10 to, did you say 22? 22. Okay. At the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Hiram, king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress, timber and gold, as much as he desired, King Solomon gave to Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, they did not please him. Therefore, he said, what kind of cities are these that you have given me, my brother? So they are called the land of Kabul to this day. Hiram had sent to the king 120 talents of gold. And this is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon drafted to build the house of the Lord and his own house and the Milo and the wall of Jerusalem and the Hazer and the Megiddo and the Gezer. Oh. I don't know if I read that right, but okay. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and captured Gezer and burned it with fire and had killed the Canaanites who lived in the city and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezer and lower Beth-Haran and Baaloth and Tamar in the wilderness in the land of Judah. And all the store cities that Solomon had, and all the cities for his chariots, and the cities for his horsemen, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of the people of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the people of Israel were unable to devote to destruction. These Solomon drafted to be slaves, so they are to this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves. They were the soldiers, they were his officials, his commanders, his captains, and his chariot commanders, and his horsemen. Now that we are taking a closer look at this, we can see that you know, this is really talking about, again, with the expansion of Solomon's kingdom, what all he's got, you know, uh, how things continue to kind of flow in, including gifts through Hiram uh, and the way that he's using his power and what he's doing with it as he's building up the kingdom. So all of it sounds on its face pretty good. I mean, it, 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 if you're reading through it quickly, you don't necessarily think terrible things are happening although it may catch your attention that there's a little something going on there just on seems Hiram like there's a couple 13. of sour notes there maybe. are definitely a couple definitely at least a couple of sour notes that we're supposed to hear um, as we're going through here and I, and I think that's where we need to we need to dig those out a little bit verses 10 through 14 is specifically about the connection he has with Hiram. If I go back to the beginning of chapter 5, seems like there are 
their mm-hmm. relationship is right in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right where it needs to be. Her Tire has just love. continued to be alongside That's Solomon right. and help That's him right. uh, build this temple and do whatever he could to be a partner That's right. in this. No question. It seems like they're tied together. That's good. They're happy about it. Hiram is happy to help him. Oh, I'm so glad that God put such a wise king on the throne mm-hmm. of Israel. Love, David. I want to help you. But then we get here and we find that Solomon still continues to receive the cedar uh, and the cypress from and the gold for as much as he desired, it says, from uh, Hiram. At the end of the 11. 20 years when, Sol- yeah, when Solomon was finished building, building the stuff. Yeah, so exactly. he's he still, Jersey. yeah, yeah, great, great things, wonderful things, building materials and gold and so forth from Hiram. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the city, so he gives King Solomon gave Hiram these twenty cities that were in Galilee. When yeah, Hiram came which from sounds Tyre, good. Sounds he like gave him twenty great. cities. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah, in in return for all that he's been given, he gives him twenty cities. But when Hiram comes to see him and takes a look at him, they don't please him. We're told in verse 12. And then it says, Therefore he said, What kind of cities are these that you have given me, my brother? So they are called the land of Kabul to this day. Which Kabul in Hebrew would mean something akin to nothing. Nothing. So these are nothing. He says, I'm going to call this land nothing. Um, There is a note in our Bibles that says it could also be fetters, like he feels he's chained to this work now, even though he doesn't really want to be, but he keeps doing it, even though he really doesn't feel like even even, enslaved to Solomon in some way. Somehow starting to feel a little more like a slave than a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And Maybe he keeps doing it, honoring it out of connection with David, right. even though he really doesn't feel good about this relationship. Right, but that's how this relationship started. Got was started because, was of, because he loved David. Oh, well, I'm going to help David's son. I love David. No, yeah. So, yeah. It's how Solomon got his favor with God, though, mm-hmm. also. Yes. Because of his relationship, of his with, relationship David. with David. So. Which, of course, is a constant type picture. Right. Christ is right. the one. Christ is the reason why we have good relationship with God or anyone else, right? Uh, and so, and when we when our relationships come through Christ, they are truly solid. But Solomon's Solomon's the need for him is to continue to bless others more than they bless him. Right. Just like it's our that's our obligation mm-hmm. as people of God, mm-hmm. as the King, God's chosen King. He should be blessing others. Go out of His way to make sure they are blessed more then they bless us, uh, bless him. And so that should happen with us too. And they should never look at us and say, well, I don't feel like this is a very fair relationship. I gave you that, but you gave me this. (laughs) I mean, is this really, come on. This isn't working. I mean, we could look at it and say Hiram was being a sore loser, but. You can, and some people will do that, I'm sure. I think it's pretty clear here that Solomon is giving him the least. Yes, that's what we're supposed to see. I think Trying to make it sound context. like a lot. Oh, here's 20 cities. Oh, look, 20 cities. But, but it turns out it's like they're ghost towns or something. Yes, know. exactly. Like a bunch of ghost towns, like a bunch of little birds that are about to fall apart, you know. I mean, 
yeah, and so Harvard's like, really? This is what I get for all the work and stuff I'm doing for you? And so that my brother at the uh, middle of verse 13 is probably said more in sarcasm than anything else. Right. Like, I thought we were brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Weren't we supposed to be brothers the way we're acting toward each other? But he doesn't see it right now. And so that's what we should we should take from that Oh. He's not saying my brother in a nice way. He's trying to get Solomon's attention. I thought we had a covenant. Mm-hmm. I thought we were close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it he, and he had given the king 120 talents of gold. Yeah. He had already given him that to go with the timber and the other things. That right. He was All the already. stuff yeah. that he supplied. So yeah. he sent them gold. I'm just pointing that out partly because we're going to see this mention of gold quite a bit. Gold, gold, in gold, these gold, next gold, couple gold. chapters. Yes, so. it really, really comes up a lot. As a matter of fact, the word is used. It's used in Exodus. Only in Exodus is it used more than it's used in Kings and Chronicles when it's talking about Solomon's stuff. It's used in Exodus more because we're talking about the building of the tabernacle, tabernacle. and all the different materials that are right. going into the tabernacle and how the gold was used. But here, um, it's used, and when it's used here throughout chapters 9 and 10, it has so much to do with just the gold being taken in by Solomon right. constantly. It's just him storing up wealth. Yeah, It's, it's a, not for the yeah. building of the temple. No. No lures. I mean, that's already been done. Right. You know, well, now we've moved into just him receiving gold, 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 gold. Yeah, exactly. So it's getting more and more, and this is a derogatory thing. We should see this with a negative emphasis. Well, then we get to get up to verse 18, and we find out that Solomon is also using his forced labor, which we heard about back in verse 15, this forced labor that he has, that he's using to build store cities. So forced labor building store cities. And here it doesn't go into, back when we heard about forced labor before, it talked about, okay, there are forced labor, but they've got one month on, two months off. Right. I mean, there was a sense that things were still moving that along. That he was treating really He was trying to treat well. people well. That's right, exactly. But we're not hearing that here. All we're hearing is that he's got forced labor that he's using <clears throat> and that he's using them to build these store cities. Well, the word in 19 for store cities is only used one other place in all of Scripture, and that is Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. We go back to Exodus 1, 11, we find out that's the Pharaoh who subjected the people to slavery, and uh, God was so mad at and, and came and put the plagues on Egypt and got the people out of slavery. Right. And so once we know that, we're like, oh, that's ugly. Solomon is doing what evil Pharaoh did. And that's what we should see. We should be like, oh no, this can't be good. He's got forced labor. He's using them to build storage cities. This is not good. We're already done with the temple and we're done with his house. Now we're moving on to other projects that Solomon has. And he's working the people like crazy. And he's building things like Pharaoh builds. He's wealth building. Yep. And he's, yeah, very much kind of a well, and he's wealth building. Gold hoarding gold. Starting mm-hmm. to hoard gold. Um, and... When we hear about Pharaoh, the little note about Pharaoh that we have in 16 uh, and part of 17 is the fact that he had captured this city, burned it with fire, and then given it as a dowry gift through his daughter. Uh, Then that right there is telling us that Pharaoh is doing things that should have been done by Israel before. Because this is one of the cities that should have been captured already. Uh, the the inhabitants cleared out and then used, you know, taken over by Israel. But it hadn't been all this time. And then Pharaoh does it, hands it over to them. Well, that's the very thing Israel should have already taken care of. 
but it's emphasizing to us that Israel never got around to being able to do all the things they were supposed to do, verse 21, in that way. And so Pharaoh's stepping in and doing it. So what I'm seeing is that Solomon's becoming more Pharaoh, evil Pharaoh-like, store of cities, so forth, whereas Pharaoh is doing the things that Israel should do. Oh my goodness, it's a complete juxtaposition. And no wonder this, my, my mind is like racing. I'm like, oh my goodness, this shouldn't be happening this way. This seems out of, but only the reader who's taken, you know, enough time to sort through this stuff is going to be able to see what's going on. And I want to point out that, that this destroying cities and killing all the people and all of that sounds terrible to us. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, and it, and it is terrible. It is terrible. Right. Uh, it's terrible. But I believe that this this is a spiritual lesson for us mm-hmm. about removing all of the sin in our lives. Yes. And eradicating that. Yes, that when we're going to the promised land, when right. we're entering the promised land, what we have to do is wipe out the evil that's in the, that's in us or has a chance to lead us astray mm-hmm. so that we can settle properly in the new and land. And so often we leave pieces, little parts yes. behind because we don't want to eradicate it all. That's right. And we don't like those that come back to haunt us. They will. And that is the, the lesson from all of these stories in the Old Testament about, yes. about the new land and what yes. they needed to do in the land and how they didn't do it. Yes, you're right. The lesson that we're supposed to take as the church is we need to wipe out sin as we enter into the new land under Jesus that God has given us, the kingdom. I'm an alcoholic. I can't still keep, can't keep a little bit of the a alcoholism. A little bit and have a drink every once in a while. Because we know. everything. I want to, yeah. We because know that that can that will get us into it trouble. It will come back and it will take over. That's just a simple example, but I'm just... Yeah. Um, but I think you're 100% right. I think that's what this is talking about. So even though we see in history, we look at those things and we say how ugly that was. Yes, it is an ugly thing in history. Yes, it's too bad that people acted that way. But, but God, God can still use those actions of people to tell the greater story and the and the greater thing that we should be doing um, in ourselves and our hearts. And that's what people. I just people. had to put that in there because I think that's important to understand because we get all off on at least I do my mind goes oh but why were why are they supposed to kill all these people this is terrible yeah and I totally get it it's a hard thing to read and think about but I do think that's the lesson we learn from it God doesn't God doesn't take it he didn't take them and make them change all of their ways into his perfection right, right the whole away. culture he of everything works with them slowly and right. leads them into a better place slowly so yes does he know they're going to do things they shouldn't be doing yes does he know we're doing things we shouldn't be doing yes mm-hmm. he's trying to get us all to a better place he's doing it in a way that we can actually walk behind him and do it if we'll pay attention and, and this and was in their close. culture the way they would understand they would so. uh, they understood this mm-hmm. but was he calling him to higher standards of course of course, even then we can read the law and go, oh, but there were so many things where he, Israel was called to a much higher standard than the world around them. Even mm-hmm. then he, he was doing that already. So uh, we have to remember that too. Well, I, I think just, we'll have to stop right yeah, here. Yeah, I just want to close out with reading Deuteronomy 17, 17, because I think this has so much to do with this section that we're reading right now. And, and we're, we're going to go read forward. it again for sure when we get, I think, to the end of 10. Right. But yeah, to start with it right now is fine because this is where, yeah.
You can see where they're going off the rails here, where Solomon is going off the rails. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, 17 says, And he shall not acquire many... This is talking about the king, you're yes. saying. This is talking about the These king are laws himself. concerning Israel's kings. Yep. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. Yes. I think we... That now, first actually, part the we always right say, oh, before that, we're going to include two because all three of them are the three right. things. Right. Acquiring horses and yes. Horses from Egypt. But that's what you're right. This is this is built, this part of Kings is built around that text from Deuteronomy 17. Right. So, so we can see that Solomon was doing exactly what he was not supposed to do. Very things he was told not to do. Yeah, the very thing. So I just wanted to bring that up with when I said he was wealth building. That's exactly what Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen says. That the king must you not shall not do this. this. Right. So. Right. Hundred percent. Right. Well, we will get on further with this in verse twenty three <laughs> and following next time. Great to talk to everybody. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for praying for our ministry. We very much appreciate that. We will look forward to talking to you again about Second Kings and continuing in this walk, but we hope you have a great few days. So God bless everyone. Talk to you soon.